there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome in Wednesday edition of Sharp Money. Dustin Sweetelson alongside Amal Shaw. We'll have Patrick Maher with us momentarily. Welcome into the program, and we've got a big one for you this afternoon. About an hour from now, the VP of Ops here at the D, Circa Golden Gate Casinos. Mike Palm going to stop by. We'll have another edition of Palm versus the Prince. Amal will try to make up for last week's loss to Mike Palm here on the program. Uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst. We have a lot to catch up with in the association. He'll drop by 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, then 5 o'clock Eastern time. That's 2 o'clock out here on the West Coast. Ted Wynn from The Athletic does a lot of great work breaking down NFL film. He'll have some stuff on Mike McDonald and his defense with the news of him going to Seattle, as well as look at the Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the Niners. Then finally, 5.30 Eastern time, we've got Matt McCall from the field of 68 NBC Sports. He's a college basketball analyst, former head coach in college hoops. We've got a lot to talk to him about as well with tonight's college hoops slate. Uh, but first, we have to begin things them all. With breaking news, it feels like that this time of year we keep having these things fall into our lap on the show. And it was announced a few hours ago, Mike McDonald going to be the new head coach over in Seattle. It doesn't come as that much of a surprise. Patrick and I were talking about this yesterday. We thought McDonald would probably be the front runner for this job. You look at people that were still in the postseason, didn't have an opportunity necessarily solidify themselves because their team was chasing an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. McDonald's defense was tremendous, even though they ended up on the losing end on Sunday against the Chiefs. They only give up 17 points in that game to Patrick Mahomes. They end up giving up zero points in the second half. Really an overall impressive job by the young Mike McDonald. Remember, he was only in the Ravens, D.C. for two years, 22 and 23, in Ann Arbor with Jim Harbaugh in 21. And really a quick ascent for him. And the Seattle Seahawks decided to go to the defensive side of the ball. You're going to need a defensive coordinator in that division. You have the Rams and, of course, the 49ers who are in the Super Bowl. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses there as a younger coach. I think it's a fascinating hire, especially when you consider them letting go of Pete Carroll, the stability he brought for so many years up there in the Northwest. And age being a factor. I think the age, when you go away from Carroll, who was there for a while, 71 years old, 72 years old, you then go to someone in Mike McDonald, who's 36, 37 now. The goal, I guess, is to get another, you know, 15, 20-year run out of the new head coach if everything goes right. And I think when, when I look at this hire, I'm curious, Amal, do you think Mike McDonald, when they let go of Pete Carroll, was at the very top of their wish list of who they wanted to bring to Seattle? Or do you think maybe some other things fell and they had to settle for Mike McDonald? Yeah, that's a great question. I honestly don't know. I think McDonald did a tremendous job, but how you view him is going to determine whether you wanted him to be your first choice, second, or third. At the end of the day, they wind up with him. And look, as good as he has done, uh, the job that he did in Baltimore, and as effective and as well as his team performed, he's not bringing Roquan Smith 
and some of these other guys with him. That's part of the challenge. Remember, they've got some absolute yeah. superstars there. Kyle Hamilton, uh, I mentioned Roquan Smith, uh, Marlon Humphrey. I mean, these are players that are among the tops in the league at their respective positions. So I think it would be a bit of a challenge here. You've got an older Bobby Wagner. Draymond Jones came over from Denver, the big free agent signing. He was okay. Good secondary, though. The Witherspoon's outstanding. Jamal Adams. Mm, no, I, th I, I think they'd be willing to move on from Jamal Adams right now. Everybody's willing to move on from Jamal Adams except Jamal Adams. <laughs> I mean, that's Reek Woolen's a really good. Like, yeah. There's very few situations where you can walk into a walk into a defense where you have Reek Woolen, Devon Witherspoon on either side, two pretty good, really good corners. Nwasu's a good uh, edge rusher. It's a decent team. I think for McDonald, what's interesting is how the Geno Smith stuff plays out. Now he's a def defensive-minded head coach. He's going to have to bring someone in who one believes in Geno Smith, but two. Uh, I think it gives McDonald some options, right? If Geno Smith plays well year one, he can continue to ride with him for as long as that goes on. Or if he does poorly, that could give McDonald a little bit more length in his, his job in Seattle because he can use it as a built-in excuse. Well, I was tied to this contract that you guys gave to this quarterback, and now I want to bring in my own guy for that position. Here's the problem. There's two free agents this year, Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield. Likelihood of getting either of them is very remote. You're going to go with Geno Smith. That's going to be your starting quarterback this year. And when you look at Geno Smith, you know, he had a decent year, 20 touchdowns, 9 INTs, 92.1 quarterback rating. The previous year, 30 touchdowns, 11 INTs, 100.9 quarterback rating. A complete disparity from what we saw in the 2022 season. For me, this team can't win in the NFC, particularly in the NFC West, with Geno Smith under center. No, you might, you might no. win seven or eight games. You might win even nine games. But the, the love that people had for the Seahawks coming into the season, I never understood. Same. We were on the same page with that. I'm like, Geno Smith is still Geno Smith. It's, it, what do you think improved? Higher floor, really low ceiling, though. Good, we're talking yeah. like you're walking through that room like this, the ceiling's so <laughs> low. I, I understand why they thought they needed to make the move, but ultimately, you cannot be paying guys like Geno Smith and then expect to be a Super Bowl contender. It's just, that's just not a realistic option in today's NFL. There's nothing special about what Geno Smith does, and you need special to advance to the Super Bowl. Completely agree with you. I mean, if you look at it, you go back to his first two years in New York, pedestrian numbers 12 and 21, 13 and 13 in terms of touchdowns to INTs. Last two years, 50 and 20 overall in Seattle, but he's got a great receiving core there. When you look around on the perimeter, you've got DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith and Jacob, the nice. rookie, Tyler Lockett. They've got some guys there. I mean, it's no, Noah Fanta tight end. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good group Listen, of skill guys. there's a lot guys. of quarterbacks that would have a ton of success there. I think Mike McDonald will have this defense. You mentioned Reek Woolen and, of course, Devin Weatherspoon on the perimeter. These guys can shut down almost any combination of receivers. But the question is, can this offense elevate enough to be able to compete with San Francisco and the Rams? Really bad offensive line, too. I really, I have questions about what the what the process is, like what the thought process is for bringing in Mike McDonald, new head coach, Seattle Seahawks. For those of you who missed it, it's sharp money. Dustin Sweetelson, Amal Shah here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, I'm very curious what the expectations are for year one of Mike McDonald because we've seen a couple different approaches to how people do these rebuilds. And I don't know if Seattle considers themselves a full rebuild, but it's definitely a partial rebuild. There are some glaring holes, as we've pointed out here in this segment. Do they want? Do they expect Mike McDonald to compete right away and for this to be a playoff team year one? Or are they going to give him a chance to kind of put his fingerprints on this roster and get things how he wants them and give him some leeway in year one? They'll pro they'll, he'll have some leeway, but remember one thing. Pete Carroll was there from 2010. Pete Carroll had a two 7-9 seasons to start, and then in uh, 2021 he had a 7-10 and 10 season. But my point about those seasons is that they've never won fewer than seven games. Every other year they've been over 500. It wasn't even like they finished at 500. So the change was made maybe because they wanted a new voice in the room after 14 seasons. But the reality of it is Pete Carroll had a tremendous run with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, when you look at what he was able to accomplish, back-to-back -back Super Bowl appearances, winning one of them, eight double-digit win seasons. Crazy. He was dominant in terms of what he did there. I don't know if McDonald's going to be expected to duplicate that in year one. But I think the fan base is not going to give him a lot of leeway because I think Pete was a very popular coach there. And then you make a change, and now you bring in a younger guy, not a lot of familiarity with people in the Pacific Northwest. Remember, Pete Carroll coached at USC. Yeah. USC plays Washington every year, every other year in Seattle, so they knew who Pete Carroll was. I know people who follow the NFL closely will know who McDonald is, but I don't think the fan base is going to give them a lot of leeway here. Yeah, it's a good fan base too. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned Pete Carroll popular in Seattle. Uh, don't know anything about McDonald's personality, whether he's a player's coach or if he's, you know, a little bit harder on guys. I always tend to liken these coaching changes, Amal, when a, a team can go from 
a player's coach to a disciplinarian and vice versa. Like, I want the next guy to be the opposite. So I think it's a little interesting that they go from Pete Carroll and they bring in another defensive guy, Mike McDonald, here. Yeah, I, I think their mantra has been going on the defensive side of the ball, at least the last couple head coaching hires. I mean, it's only been two in 15 yeah. years, <laughs> but it, they, we've seen a lot of people go offense. I think they believe that he had such an impact on the Baltimore defense the last two seasons that this could help them. And one of the things that they need to be able to do is slow down Brock Purdy, to slow down Matthew That's Stafford. That's a very good point in and, division. And Kyler Murray, right? Even though you can sit there and say what you want and may not necessarily think that Kyler Murray's a franchise quarterback, he still puts them in a position to be effective and successful. It's not an easy division. There's no games where you sit there and go, hey, we get to play Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons. There, there's no games out there like that in that division. So you want a coach that can negate what these offenses are potentially going to be able to do. And we're going to find out pretty quickly how effective and impactful Mike McDonald is. And with their home field advantage, defense will obviously be awesome at home, but defense travels. And if he can build the defense that they think he's capable of being with some of the pieces they already have here, I mean, there's potential now to go on the road. You have to deal with the Rams. You have to deal with Kyler Murray, as you mentioned, and, of course, the, the Niners and their offense. So I, I think that actually does make a lot of sense from that perspective. That's a great point by you. Uh, another thing, though, that happens when McDonald gets hired here, what happens with Bill Belichick now? Because we have one opening. It's the Washington Commanders, and it doesn't. it's not going to be Ben Johnson, who we all thought it was going to be all along. Bill, Bill Belichick's about to be out of football for a year, it looks like. Yeah, but the problem is if you're out of football for a year, you become out of sight, out of mind. And then that time as it goes further and further away from the last job, people tend not to want to bring you back in. You know, we had a huge overhaul of coaches this year. I think there was a total of eight jobs that became vacant this year. And Patrick and I talked about yesterday, there are two major jobs that can open up next year. Potentially the Philadelphia Eagles and then, of course, the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. And that's the one that I think many people will be looking at. Ben Johnson would be a guy that would be at the forefront, assuming they could duplicate the type of season that they had in Detroit this year. And there's no reason to think that they won't be able to based on the pieces the Lions bring back next year. But when I look at this team right now, in terms of where they're constructed, the Seattle Seahawks, I think McDonald can get them to be competitive, maybe become a wild card. But at the end of the day, in this league, you're not going to win without a quarterback. You just need that quarterback. I mean, you look at teams. Even though Atlanta didn't win the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan, you can still argue at the time he's a top eight quarterback. Yeah. And that's what you You always need. had a chance because yes, exactly. you had him. Exactly. And that's the difference. It's either – I told you during the season I changed my whole evaluation of quarterbacks because there were times where I'd go, well, this guy's earned it. He's good enough. This team can contend. Contending is no longer good enough in the NFL. I think it's a very binary thing. Either the player and the coach – are capable of winning a Super Bowl one day, or they're not capable. Yeah. That's how you have to view these things. You can't tie contracts and money and let these guys hold you hostage if they're not capable of doing the only thing that matters, the only thing that keeps your job is winning Super Bowls. That's the goal here. Because, by the way, you could be someone like uh, Sean McDermott in Buffalo. At some point, just making the playoffs isn't good enough. You have to get over the hump. So the way I look at it now, it's either you can win a Super Bowl or you can't. What do the Washington Commanders do from here? Mike McDonald out of the picture. Ben Johnson not going there. What happens with the head man uh, in Washington, D.C.? We'll discuss some options coming up next. It's Sharp Money on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, 
Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. One of my favorites, Jonathan Von Tobel, joining us. But first, become a VSIN pro. Subscriber. And again, a lot of you are signing up right now just to get the Super Bowl package, but you can get everything for a year using the promo code SHARP for $199. Daily best bets, betting splits. You know you love them. Big game betting guides and more. vcin.com slash subscribe. So I said it. And again, if you've been paying attention to, to me for my money, the best NBA podcast out there over at vcin.com, Hardwood Handicappers with, of course, Jonathan Von Tobel and his buddy Kelly Bidlin, you were way ahead of the curve. On the Clippers, we say hi to VEASAN host Jonathan Von Tobel at me, JVT. And I've been so excited to talk to you. I've been so entrenched in the association lately, so I have a ton of notes. Let's start here. Right now, Jonathan, 6-1 to one on the Clippers. So I'm going to let you flex a little bit. DraftKings, 6-1 to one on the Clippers to win a title. I wrote this down because I watched it. I thought it was a bigger Cavs win than a Clippers loss two nights ago because the Clippers have just been freaking awesome. Let's let you run with the Clipper conversation here. Yeah, and to the point about the, the Cavaliers um, win, right, uh, and we talked about this on the pod the next day, I think I underestimated in that game what the Clippers had put into the win over Boston on that previous game right in Saturday because if you guys remember, Boston in, in a month ago had gone to L.A., they played without Kawhi, and Boston pasted them. And so I think it was a big revenge spot to go in there and do what they did to Boston. And then the letdown to go in and play Cleveland uh, I think was pretty tough. So that loss I think doesn't throw you off, and especially because the team is, to your alluding to, Patrick, 22-5 and five in their last 27 games. <laughs> They've been brilliant, but, you know, and I tweeted this out when I bet it about like a month and a half ago. I bet them at 30 to one to win the NBA finals. I believe they are the best team in the NBA. I, I think that when they are fully healthy, they are power rated on the same par with the Boston Celtics. In fact, they think they can even match up and beat the Boston Celtics. As we saw to an extent, Christoph Porzingis did not play this last Saturday. And it's amazing, too, because the market has been kind of slow in the uptick a little bit here, right? We've seen their futures odds really shrink, and rightfully so. I will say flat out, I don't think it's worth it at this point right now because the fair rebuttal to me and my love for the Clippers is the health and the track record, and that's fair. And I think that you don't want to invest in 6-1 to one because of that track record. But I do think once you get into the NBA postseason, I think there's going to be some value in betting on this team regularly in some of these series because there's a reality in which they do find themselves once they get out of the first round to be short favorites or very short underdogs, depending on where they're seeding against some of these teams that I think they match up well with. But for my money right now, you tell me they're healthy. They are the best team in the NBA, and I don't think there's a question about it. So they've got three games remaining against the Timberwolves, one against Denver, one against Oklahoma City. Then they've got four games combined against Washington and the Pistons. So they've got those head-to-head matchups. Do you believe they'll wind up as the one seed in the Western Conference? Right now, they're just a half a game behind, or excuse me, one game behind Minnesota in the loss column. I think they can them all. I think they have everything in front of them. I think they match up well with every single one of those teams. Now, off the top of my head, I don't know where those games fall, right? If we're talking like third game in four nights, five game in seven nights, where they're at in terms of road trips and whatnot. But I do think that, yes, the way that they are playing and their depth, guys, like that's the big part about all of this in terms of their ability to go through a regular season. You talk about their front court depth. They have two of the best two-way wings. They've got a triple rotation of centers. Zubac is unhealthy right now, but he is going to come back. So you've got three guys that you trust at center. You've got a plethora of guards from Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Norm Powell that you really trust at this point, Terrence Mann. Like they have a lot of depth them all. So to be able to overcome, I think a lot of the arduous nature of the regular season. And then look at the teams that you mentioned. Denver's actually playing very well. Minnesota's kind of losing their footing a little bit. They got a big win over Oklahoma City the other day, but it's part of a stretch where they've been playing very inconsistent and still, by the way, about 15th in offensive efficiency. It's one of their biggest weaknesses. And then you look at a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who they can absolutely demolish on the glass. I think they match up well with the teams that are in front of them. So I say, yes, like they are absolutely in play for the one seat. They're only two games back at this point right now. And the best part of them all is there is a growing gap between the top four teams, Clippers being the fourth seed right now, 
and the teams that are seeded five through ten. Like right now, it seems very clear that our top four teams are going to be the ones that are there right now. It just depends on how they're going to sort themselves out. Patrick, the biggest so, distinction I make between yeah. the regular season and the postseason is this. As JVT alluded to, you might have four games in five nights. In the playoffs, you might play on Monday. You might play again yep. on Thursday. And an older team like the Clippers, I think that bodes well for them. So this is for you, Jonathan. I, w I walk my dog very early in the morning. And about five times now, you know who I've seen on my walk? Mason Plumley. Lawrence Frank. Uh -oh. And I want to walk. Now, he's the president there with the Clippers. And I want to walk up to him and say, JVT's got your back, but also the Harden trade. Everybody universally hated it, and it's worked. And now when I watch the Clippers, they're actually playing with joy. I never saw this coming, so credit to you. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is what I like about like our, our perception of sports in general, but James Harden's a really good example of this. And I got so much pushback on it because immediately when he got traded, my pushback was just because you don't like him as a person, you ignore how good he is as a basketball player. And, right. oh, he's no, he's terrible. He's not very good. He led the league in assists last year, guys. Like, he single-handedly won the Philadelphia 76ers two playoff games in the Eastern Conference semifinals. This guy is a very good basketball player. And now we're talking about Ben being the third wheel on a team that is very good at this point right now. And look, again, similar to the health um, pushback, right? If you tell me next year it blows up, sure, why not? Like Harden's got a weird track record. But at this point right now, how well this is working out, at least for this season, much like we're seeing with Kyrie, by the way, Dallas, right? We haven't heard much from Kyrie this year. If you get into a situation that's kind of working for you, at some point you just you burn every bridge. You look around, you're like, all right, this is something that's working for me both professionally in terms of the results, and I could get what I want here in terms of the contract that's the team that might offer it to him. So I think overall, like we forgot the collectively, not me, um, how good James Harden is as a basketball player because we don't like him, and you're seeing this, and they're, they're, you're seeing so many people that are surprised by this. I, I pushed this every single time. Guys, when we see them together, this is why the Clippers have been so maddening. When you see them play, they are good. Two years ago, they made a run to the Western Conference Finals. Last year, Kawhi Leonard took down the Suns in the first game and looked like they were going to win that series. They covered four out of the five games against the, against the Suns without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like This is a team that when you have seen them collectively, the results have been there. We just haven't seen them. And now we're finally starting to see it, and it looks every bit as dominant as we saw in the flashes that we did. Uh, JVT, I think that's an excellent point you make on James Harden, the distinction between his personality and his ability. And I think the line gets erased when people look at him. Uh, that's yep, a great point. Let's go to the Eastern. In, in, in Sorry, our go. biases in sports betting, where we associate our feelings for somebody and then it kind of shrouds what we do with betting. I think it's a tremendous point. Quickly, you do have an associated bet tonight. The Clippers are in Washington. You're going to go team total over with the Wizards. Yeah, over 111 and a half. I haven't checked this for a couple hours, so I'll double check because Paul George is questionable. And this is something we brought up on the pod yesterday and it brought up again today. You know, that loss to Cleveland that you had mentioned, Patrick, uh, Paul George has been dealing with a sore groin. And so I kind of surmised that he would pop up at some point in the injury report with this groin issue. Uh, and sure enough, he is questionable to play now. Got added a couple of hours ago. And the Clippers do have trouble with teams that have quick guards that play somebody in transition. You've seen it uh, quite a few times. Uh, Toronto went out there a couple of weeks ago and was it a back and forth affair that they ultimately uh, pulled away from. But I think that this is a spot where, again, you get a team that likes to play in transition. Clippers in the mid-20s in transition defense. Uh, and right now, the, the total has gone up from 111.5 to 112.5. I, I think 112.5 is playable, especially if we're not going to see Paul George. And this would be the spot to do it. You're in the midst of a seven-game road trip. You've got Washington today. You've got Detroit in two days. Like, these aren't really opponents that, not that they're bad, but they're Eastern Conference foes that are the lower end of the conference. You don't have to worry about. So this would be, make, make a lot of sense to get Paul George a night off today. So if he does take the night off, that 112.5 is going to turn to about 113 114 and a half, so I would say better now. JVT, the Knicks are playing very well, 31 and 17. I know Patrick and Dustin are both believers in this team. How do you look at the Knicks when you look big picture in the Eastern Conference? Obviously, Boston and Milwaukee right now only in front of them, but are they legitimately a contender to come out of the conference? I mean, I think it's hard to call them legitimately a contender because when I think that everybody's fully healthy, right, everything's created equal. Boston and Philadelphia are two teams that are clearly better than them all, and Milwaukee has the potential to be better, and I think offensively they clearly are a much better team. But I would say right now, like, right, they're dueling with Cleveland for that fourth spot in terms of power rating in the Eastern Conference, and right now I'd give the edge to the New York Knicks only in that the, I love OG and Anobi. Now, they do have to solve some problems. I think their bench, they desperately need another scoring presence off of that bench they, they really carved into that when they took Emmanuel quickly out of there and they shipped them off to Toronto and you have seen at times when their bench gets out of whack 
Um, that's when their offense is really falling off. And some of the injuries you're all a little concerned with, right? We know that Julius Randle is going to be a few weeks. Mitchell Robinson reportedly will be back. Offensive rebounding and second chance points are such a big part of what this team does offensively. If you look at it, guys, they're average to below average in both half court offense and transition offense. And yet they're a top 10 offense. Why? Because they get second chance opportunities. And so it's some of these other matchups where you're talking about playing Milwaukee, playing Philadelphia, playing Boston teams that can rebound on the same level with you. Are you going to be able to get those second chance opportunities to keep an offense that at times has been pretty average going? And I don't know if that's the case, but I do think them all. They've got home court advantage written all over them, and they've got a second-round appearance, I think, written all over them, currently constructed. And they're 14-1 to 1 to come out of the East. Big guy, as a Knicks fan, did you want to push back on anything that Jonathan said? I just don't feel – as good as the Celtics are, and I love their roster, as long as Tatum and Brown are there, I think they're so soft, and the, and the Knicks always give them a run for their money. They could push them to the brink. But I do agree. They do have to make a move. They need more depth. There is a chance Mitchell Robinson does come back late in the year because he had his surgery in December. Uh, the move, obviously, for me, is Malcolm Brogdon. You add Malcolm Brogdon, it solves a lot of problems. Hopefully you can keep Grimes in that deal. It gives you the depth you're needed because right now the, the addition of OG – Watching that guy play basketball is a freaking joy. He just does so many little things on so many possessions that make a difference in winning. Look, you made Jonathan proud. He's smiling. That is not freaking. Okay. I'm not thinking of Celtics comment, but that's another. Soft, charming. <laughs> We've got four more plays from Jonathan next. Senior NBA analyst here at VSIN. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings, VSIN, the sports betting network. From Super Bowl 58, San Francisco and Kansas City. In Las Vegas, right now, that number, San Francisco Lane 247 on the total. As we welcome you back, Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. We're going to be joined by Ted Wynn, the athletic NFL writer and film analyst. You can find Ted on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. Of course, as we say hi to Ted. Ted, we'll get into the game. I did want to ask you, if you didn't mind, the big news today. Seattle Seahawks have hired 36-year-old defensive coordinator with the Ravens, Michael Mc Mike McDonald, pardon me, as their next head coach. What do you think about the hire? I love the hire. Um, Mike McDonald was at the top of my list as far as candidates and I'm a little bit biased because I, I know people that have worked with them and, and have talked with them and they all rave about his ability as a teacher and uh, his prowess and the X's O's. And obviously we see that on the field. And I just think, you know, being a teacher is one of the most important things you could do as a coach and just his ability to install that offense and just change his game plan from week to week and have his uh, defense be able to learn that game plan and execute at such a high level really speaks to the type of coach he is. So I, I think um, the Seahawks have been searching for a defensive identity for a while. They've been trying to, run that Vic Fangio defense, and it just really hasn't uh, worked for them. But now they have a real defensive identity. They have some young, really exciting young defensive players like Devin Witherspoon. Um, and I think this is a really good hire for them. And I, I think they're going to be a, a tough team um, to beat moving forward with McDonald. Ted, Washington is the last opening remaining. Who do you believe they'll end up choosing? And how far apart were they potentially with Ben Johnson on the money? The rumor was $15 million he was requesting. Is that something you've heard, or is that just kind of speculative? And if so, how far was Washington willing to go in terms of paying him? Yeah, you know, I'm not too sure. I haven't heard too much about the money issue. Um, but to me, it seems like Ben Johnson is happy in Detroit. Seems like he has a good working relationship with Dan Campbell. And, you know, I, I believe it when he says that he didn't want to move partially because of his family. And I think if there was a money issue, I think maybe he, it was just like, I don't want to go. But if you make it worth it and <laughs> you know you meet this super high contract demand, then I'll go, you know. But uh, to me, it was just all about like, I, I'm happy in Detroit and I'll just throw this number figure out there. And if you if you decide to match that and, and uh, give me that money, then then I'll go. But if not, I'm perfectly happy where I am. I, I agree with you, Ted. I think everybody's got a number. So if Washington really wanted Ben Johnson, I think we could probably get him. However, let's get to the Super Bowl. Does it surprise you just because of the Mahomes effect that San Francisco is favored by two 11 days out? 
Yeah, I, I thought, you know, after Mahomes was able to uh, score 17 points against a very hard, uh, very tough Ravens defense at their home stadium, I, I thought it would be, I thought the spread would be a little bit more. Uh, but I think, you know, there are some matchups that the Niners um, have that are favorable to them to, you know, to, to see why that, why that spread isn't too large. I know, you know, the Niners are going to be able to run the ball on Chiefs defense. The Chiefs de- defense is susceptible to the run. They were ranked 22nd in the defensive success rate, which is why it was so surprising that the Ravens decided not to run the ball against them and go a really pass-heavy uh, script, which plays into their strengths. When you look at the matchup in the Super Bowl, how does San Francisco exploit the weaknesses on defense for the Kansas City Chiefs? They've been tremendous all season long and probably not gotten enough credit. What does San Francisco do well in that particular matchup? Yeah, I think the answer is they have to go heavy personnel and they have to run the ball. I mean, the Chiefs want to play nickel. They want to play dime. They want to get their best players on the field, which is their defensive backs. Um, and they, they want to rush the passer and they, they don't want to defend a run. They're 22nd in defensive success rate, like I, I mentioned, um, and you have to stay patient. And I think um, the Chiefs being able to jump out to a quick 14-0 lead really got the, the Ravens to panic and just start passing the ball. Uh, but you really have to run the, try to run the ball against this front. Um, you know, they don't, they're not that heavy inside. Um, they, they have good pass rushing defensive tackles like Chris Jones, and they have fast linebackers, uh, but, but they just aren't that big. And I think you can get them inside by running and then you, it opens up the play action game. Um, they are susceptible to scrambling quarterbacks as well. Since 2022, um, including playoffs, they are the fifth worst team in, in terms of EPA against uh, design quarterback runs and scrambles. And obviously they're not going to design runs for Brock Purdy. Uh, but as you saw against the Lions, Brock Purdy um, can do some damage with his legs scrambling. He scrambled for six first downs. Um, because the way the Chiefs play defense is they like to play a lot of man. They like like to play a lot of match coverages, which means their defensive backs are going to be turning their their backs on the quarterback, and that opens up some scrambling lanes. So I think Brock Purdy's legs are going to be an issue here, and I, I think Brock Purdy's over-under on rushing yards right now is just 12.5, so I think that's a pretty good uh, prop bet if, you, uh, if you, you're looking for those. Well, I'll give you a better one. It's 11 and a half at DraftKings right now. So good one there, Ted. I'm going to point to one in particular. It's lofty, but Christian McCaffrey right now, DraftKings, his rush prop is set at 88 and a half. Where would you go with that one? Now, that's a high, that's a big number. That's steep. I get it. But like you said, the 49ers are going to want to try to run the ball. Yeah, I think that's a good prop bet because, like I said, I, I, Kyle Shanahan is not going to panic when it comes to um, abandoning the run. He's going to keep running the ball, and McCaffrey takes a, a majority of the, the carries, almost all the carries. They they rarely give the ball to Elijah Mitchell or or Jordan Mason. Uh, so I, I think that's a pretty good bet. And like I said, the Chiefs are susceptible against the run. They're a, a, a bottom half run defense. If if you really try to uh, put some heavy bodies on the field and and move them. Let's go on the other side. San Francisco struggled against the run. We saw Detroit be able to exploit that. Isaiah Pacheco in this game, he's got a total of 66 and a half over under on the rushing yards. Would you be likely to go over or under on Pacheco? I, you know, I'm not sure on that one because, you know, Reed is susceptible to abandoning the run. Um, And, you know, I I think you can get this uh, Niners defense against the run, especially with those outside tosses like uh, Detroit did. Uh, but for me, just anytime you're, you know, you have the chiefs offense, I, I'm just not very committal to, um, betting that they're going to continue to run the ball. Uh, but I think, you know, you, uh, Rasheed Rice will get some runs too. Um, you know, they might, if Kadarius Tony plays, I wouldn't be surprised to see them design up some runs for him too. Um, but I, that's a bit of a high number for me to commit to Pacheco. Ted Wynn joining us here, Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. Of course, the athletic football analyst, NFL analyst. Let's let's talk about the flow of the game here, Ted. And We've got a total of 47. So I want you to take the total and just kind of think about the flow of 49ers Chiefs and whether or not you think it goes over the total or under. Yeah, I've been going back and forth on this one, but ultimately I think it's going to go over because I think – uh, the Chiefs are going to be able to score points on this Niners defense. They just haven't been good. 
I know the Niners have a reputation for being a top 10 defense, uh, but they've given up a lot of points, especially in, in the postseason. And there's some major weaknesses in this defense. They can't really rush the passer outside, outside of uh, Nick Bosa, Aubrey, Aubrey Thomas, their uh, starting co- outside corner is giving up a ton of yards. He's giving up a bunch of penalties. Uh, I think they're really missing Hufanga, who got hurt during the season. Um, they they had a lot of injuries at safety. Uh, so I think there's a lot of holes in this defense. And I think, you know, giving Andy Reid two weeks to plan against it, um, they're going to find ways to move the ball. And like I said, I think the Niners, Kyle Shanahan is going to have a good um, game plan coming in. And they're, they're going to be able to exploit this defense running, running the ball. So I, I think it goes over. Ted, any concerns from a San Francisco perspective on the special teams with Moody? He's a a young kicker. Uh, He had a miss in the NFC Championship game. Does that kind of sway Kyle Shanahan, even though the game is going to be in a dome? Yeah, Kyle Shanahan has been a little bit more aggressive on fourth down this season. Uh, I think he trusts Brock Purdy. uh, And, you know, I think that he should take into account that Jake Moody is a rookie kicker and he's, you know, and, and the week 18, he missed an extra point and he missed a field goal and he, he missed a field goal in the postseason. And this is going to be the biggest game of his career. So um, anything over, you know, 48 yards, if you have a fourth and one or fourth and two, I think he should be more aggressive. Um, historically, he has been a conservative coach. Uh, but like I said, he trusts Brock Purdy. He's been a little bit more aggressive. So I hope to see a more aggressive uh, Kyle Shanahan when it comes to those situations. Let's have fun with one more prop. So against the Lions in the NFC Championship game, Purdy threw for 267, Ted. Now you mentioned they're going to want to try to establish the run. His passing prop for Super Bowl 58, Purdy, is 245 and a half. I'm just throwing the number at you. Your immediate blush is what? Over the 245 and a half or under? Got to be under for me. This this Chiefs pass defense is too good. Um, They're going to double Brandon Ayuk. Um, and Debo Samuel's not going to get those free access routes that he has against softer defenses that play off of him. They're, the, these Chiefs defenders are going to come up and press um, these receivers and really challenge them, and I have a difficult time seeing them win on a consistent basis. Um, you know, Maybe George Kittle is a bigger factor against those Chiefs linebackers, uh, but, but I think it's going to be tough for um, the Niners to create big plays and move the ball consistently through the air against this Chiefs defense. We like that. That was a snap call on the under passing yards for Brock Purdy. Good job, Ted. Ted Wynn, the athletic NFL writer and film analyst at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Liked it. He had strong opinions on those props too, boys, which is something obviously becoming this is proliferation of props has become crazy. And what we'll try to do over the next 11 days is give you as many guests, giving you as many picks as far as props are concerned. And when we return, let's jump into the MVP market. Have a little fun with it. The big guy's got a nice little graphic for the last 10 MVP winners in the Super Bowl. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, get a yearly subscription for $1.99, daily best bets, betting splits, big game betting guide. The promo code is SHARP, S-H-A-R-P, vsin.com slash subscribe. So our next guest killed it with us last year, Coach Matt McCall. The Field of 68, also doing great with the games on NBC Sports, college basketball analyst. You can find him on Twitter at Coach Matt McCauley just told us when he and his wife go on vacation, they like to go to LaSalle University. Okay, let's do let's do this. I know you've been on a couple of calls with my Gamecocks coach. Just full disclosure, I went to South Carolina, but can we talk about the win in Knoxville last night? That was a hell of an effort by the boys. That was a hell of an effort. I mean, it, it, you know, nobody wins in Thompson Bowling Arena. Nobody. I mean, you go back to the 2006-2007 teams that I was a part of at the University of Florida with Noah, Horford, Brewer, and the boys that went back-to-back national championships. They went 0-3 in there. So, hmm. I mean, it is what, – what a win for the Gamecocks. I mean, Lamont Paris, the job that he's doing, hands down SEC Coach of the Year. Um, if the season ended right now, it, it's really impressive. They've got the right bunch. He took the right transfers. B.J. Mackey to insert him into that lineup, and they've kind of played a small ball where they just space you out. They can switch ball screens and do those types of things. Man, it's credit Lamont Paris because when he took the job coming from Chattanooga, and I'm, I'm, I'm a coach that came from Chattanooga before I took UMass. When he took South Carolina, you're kind of scratching your head saying, oh, man, had he stayed? Is that the right job for him? Can he get it done there? And, man, he's getting it done there. Super impressive. So credit him. Coach, we've been talking a lot about Ben Johnson, the Detroit Lions, turning down the opportunity in Washington. As a coach who went from Chattanooga to UMass, tell us what your perspective is on when you're looking at a job and an opportunity. Aside from the monetary gain, what are some of the other things that are part of the equation that make you choose a job or maybe potentially turn the job down? Yeah, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. Um because I left Chattanooga and, and went to UMass, and, and five years later, I'm sitting here talking to you guys as a part of the media. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think there's, some, there's a bunch of factors. I think the biggest factor you have to look at is what's the success? What, what, is, what has transpired prior to you taking the job? And I talked to Chris Caputo a bunch about this a bunch, who's now the head coach at, at GW, He's like, look, multiple coaches have taken this team to the NCAA tournament. Multiple. And even though maybe they fired the previous coach, other guys have gotten it done. So I think you have to, especially at the mid-major level, I think you have to look at that. Um, Have other people had success and gone to the tournament? In recent years, you know, you look at UMass, and that's, that's a place that, you know, outside of the John Calipari years, it's, it's been a challenge. And I think Frank Martin's doing a phenomenal job. I give him a, a tremendous amount of credit. And I've known Frank since I was in high school. Um, I think he's doing great. And I think they have a chance to win 20 games this year. But I think you have to look at that. Who's won? What's the region? What's the area? Can you recruit there? Um, but the biggest factor is, is have they had success? And then at the high major level, it's like, what, what situation are you walking into? You know, who are you taking over for? You know, you look at some of these guys, and, and, I, and I'll throw Kyle Neptune at Villanova, and I know Kyle spent a number of years at Villanova as an assistant. That's not an easy situation to take over for a living legend. And he retires. You've only been a head coach for one year. You get the job, and expectations are completely through the roof. John Shire, same thing at Duke. Expectations are completely through the roof. That's, that's not easy to deal with for those guys. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I don't know if I'm maybe through my experience, I'm the right guy to ask. Um, but, you know, probably should have stayed a chat hindsight 2020. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, Matt McCall, uh, Coach Matt McCall, of course, on Twitter. Field of 68, NBC Sports, so he's doing good for himself. And remember, last year, you came on this show, and every chance you got, you talked about FAU. And you said, boys, I'm telling you, FAU is legit. And you could, you would not stop about the it. team. I think I came on the show at, at the Final Four. Didn't yeah. I come on? You did. I was at the Final Four. You did because we said, dude, this this team's made such a run. You got to join us for the Final Four. I, I know it's a broad question, but are there a couple of teams that remind you of that last year's FAU this year? Fellas, I had them out in Arizona at the Arizona tip-off. I, I think Grand Canyon could really make a run. They lost to South Carolina out there, uh, who we all know, just talking about them, is a really good basketball team. Grand Canyon's good. They're for real. Tyron Grant Foster is one of the best stories in all of college basketball. Um, you know, he collapsed on the floor at DePaul, started his career at Kansas. I mean, you, you want to see what an NBA player looks like? He fits the mold, thousand percent. Um, I think what Coach Drew's doing out there, going through what he went through at Vanderbilt and having to kind of re, rejuvenate himself, taking that job over, that is a scary team. If you get matched up with them in the NCAA tournament and you're a BCS-level team, a high-major team, you're concerned because they are for real. They are really good. So I think Grand Canyon is the team that I look at right now that, that can really make a run. And the other team is is it's not Rick Pitino, it's Richard. I mean, New Mexico and the guard play <laughs> and the shooting, the Lobos are for real. And Richard texted me after I anointed them my final four dark horse. We had to pick a, a team on the field of 68 that wasn't ranked in the top 25. And at that point in time, New Mexico was not. And I put New Mexico in the final four as my not top 25 team. And Richard texted me and said, what are you doing? You're giving us expectations <laughs> right now. He said, Richard, your team's good. You're for real. Embrace it. You guys got a chance. So, yeah, I, I New Mexico with the guard play, Jalen House, Mashburn, uh, who plays the game completely different the way his dad played it. I really, really like the Lobos. Pitt's a difficult place to play right now. They're winning a lot of games, and they're not just winning. They're winning big. Coach, we've got some big games coming up this weekend. Duke is at Carolina, Florida, excuse me, uh, Tennessee at Kentucky, St. Mary's at Gonzaga. Uh, any of them stand out in a team that you think could either win at home dominant fashion or potentially pull an upset on the road there? I love how you said Florida at Kentucky, and that's actually tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it should it should be a Saturday night primetime ESPN game like it was back in the day. Well, season finale uh, at the O-Dome every year. It was unbelievable, the rivalry that we had, and we, we've got to get that. The, the rivalry's been a little bit one-sided. It's a big game tonight. Hopefully the Gators can can go up there and give, give the Cats a fight. Um, I, I, I do still believe that Kentucky – and Tennessee are the cream of the crop of the SEC. I think they're the two best teams. I think that's a game that you got to keep your eye on. Dalton Connect, he's got to be the odds-on favorite right now to win SEC Player of the Year. Uh, that's going to be a great one. And then Duke Carolina, it's one of the greatest rivalries in all of college sports. I mean, you cannot discount that. I don't care who's been the coach, who, whoever's been on the roster. It's it's one of the best rivalries. And I think maybe that's why you saw Carolina kind of overlooking Georgia Tech last night. Right. I mean, they're looking forward to that game and who is the best team in the ACC, which is having a down year. It was called like it is. The ACC is not the ACC of old. Um, so I think maybe that's why, you know, Carolina only made 12 of 20 free throws last night on the road. They made two more free throws. They win the game instead of shooting 52, 54 percent, whatever the percentage is. So. I think that's it's still one of the greatest rivalries in all of college sports, even though Coach K is gone, even though Roy Williams is gone. Got to tune into that one because there'll be some excitement and theatrics in that game. Coach, you got about two minutes. Coach I want to ask you about a matchup tonight. It's in Athens. Nice spot for Georgia here. Here comes Bama ranked. Bama's a six-point favorite on the road at Georgia. Give me your thoughts on that one. I like the dogs. I do. I think the dogs have had their opportunities. They were down 21 on Saturday uh, in the exact tech arena. It's not the O'Connell center. It's not the O-Dome anymore. It's the exact tech arena down in Gainesville. <laughs> um, and they had chances. They had a shot in the air to win the game. So, and I thought that they should have beaten Tennessee. I, I really do. I, they had chances in that game at home. So um, I like the dogs in that one. I, definitely to cover. 
I think Mike White is is doing a great job. I thought he did a great job at Florida, you know, in terms of the circumstances he was walking into, taking over for, I know I'm biased, but one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time and Billy Donovan, um, to walk in there and keep that program relevant. You know, did they go to a Final Four? No, they were one shot away. They're, you know, the one game away from going to a Final Four. And, you know, the SEC championships, when Mike White had that team essentially in the NCAA tournament, if not every year, pretty consistently. And now, you know, Gator fans are tough. They're difficult to deal with as an alum, as someone that worked there for a long time. But you could see he's happy at Georgia. Uh, and I think he's doing a great job. So I think the dogs bounce back tonight. And this will be a great opportunity for them to get a quality win, which they, which they really need. And I think they've had chances, but I think they can get this one tonight. Coach Matt McCall, the Coach field Matt. is 68. NBC Sports college basketball analyst at Coach Matt McCall on Twitter. Coach, you're the best. We look forward to talking to you as the tournament approaches. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Let's make it a weekly appearance. We'd love to do it. Hey, hey, hey. from your lips, you said it. Now you're committed, so we're going to do that. College basketball is heating up. Okay, I look forward got, to hey, it. By the way, he's got Detroit Mercy this year to the Final Four. Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Coach McCall, thank you so much. We're going to come back with our plays tonight here on Sharp Money. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.